I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. It's a drunken soiree in the within. Chris and Stu present our core listing, the podcast. We are recording. We are recording whoop, whoop. live from uh, Weekend in the Park in South End on Sea. We are opening the Gone Fishing stage today. Yes. Christopher and I. Uh, we've got a special guest, which we'll introduce shortly. Indeed. Uh, big day today. Big day. First time we've performed at a festival, right? Correct. First time probably you've ever performed at a festival, is it? As well. Like you, you, was a, you was a musician, wasn't you? Yeah. Is this, is this your first time with me? No. Mm. That's offensive. Mm. I've played mm, loads of festivals. We'll see, we'll see. Um, OK, well, look, before we get on with it, um, so for people that are listening, we're in, in South NLC in a big field and uh, McFly are going to be on the, the main stage today with Scatter yep. for Girls, Stereo MCs, and on the Gone Fishing stage, which we are on, uh, we're opening up, yep. then oh, loads of podcasts, loads of comedians. I'm uh, not going to try and remember them all. Comedy Arcade, we've got coming on, Sarah Kaywood as well. Yes, Exciting times. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so should we, uh, should we get a guest on? Yeah, let's do it, let's do it. Okay, drummer from the rock band A and the Bloodhound Gang, Adam Perry. Woo! <laughs> Just in time. So that background noise is not Chris's phone, that is the main stage. For once. Just so in time for the main, for the, uh, main stage to open. So, Ad, you've obviously... I mean, we, we know each other. You've met Chris today. Uh, whenever Chris and I have discussed rock and roll stories, uh, generally I will reference you and your brother and uh, a never-ending array of exciting stories. Yes. So with that in mind, we thought today, seeing as it's a festival, we'd ask you to come on and guest and tell us your top five touring festival type rock and roll stories. Right, okay. Yeah, that sounds, that sounds good. I mean, what's the age of the audience? Let's have a quick scan. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. She just said that like to me. like rock and roll like, kids. She yeah. said that to me like one minute before we got on stage. She said, Chris, you can't swear. I was like, <laughs> what? <laughs> We're not used to that. Yeah, um, where, where do we start? I mean, Stu, you, you know me and Jason well. Yes. Uh, you're, you're generally the umpire sat in between us as we talk, yes. like on stereo. He's not here now, yeah, because he's getting he's outside doing something else, putting flags up. Yeah. So uh, yeah, this, so this might be a little less. Uh, well, what I want to know. Normal, so yeah. 
what I'll do to start with, if we can start with A. Okay. And so what was the first kind of story where you thought it went from playing kind of like local venues to, oh, hang on, this feels like yeah. a legit gig. We're, we're, we're doing it rock and roll style here. What was the first moment or story that uh, you just thought, yeah, wow. so our first tour was with Faith No More, my, one of my favourite bands. Wow. So that's why we signed to London Records, because we had a big, loads of labels chasing us back in the day, and we could have signed to Sony and Hurt and uh, EMI, and like, we had, look, I think we had nine offers. And the, the only reason that happened was, A, we were good, B, we got on everyone's nerves, C, we had a studio in Shoreditch, we brought people down to, and they thought, oh, this is cool, these lads produce as well, they've got a studio in Shoreditch, back before it was trendy. Um, and, and then we got pally with someone who w w uh, ran the Water Rats in Kings Cross, and a band called Moist were playing from Canada. Remember that band Moist? Push. Yeah, remember Moist. <laughs> and then Bush, remember Bush? Oh, yes. So, uh, Gavin Rosdale's band, and, uh, and they'd just been signed out of uh, the States, both of these bands, right. but they hadn't got record deals in the UK, or I think they had got deals, but it's the first time over here. So the promoter at the Barfly thought it'd be hilarious to have the poster saying A Moist Bush. <laughs> and that is the only reason we got on the gig. And, uh, and we got on the gig and we had the best gig we've ever had. We just became the BC Boys for a night and just played all our new stuff. And we'd be, we'd just like turned into Green Day. We were in this prog rock band called Granny Zines because our favourite band is Rush. And then we're like, we love, we love, the, we love the BC Boys, we love Jane's Addiction and we love Green Day. It's like, let's scrap all the prog rock stuff. We don't even like that. Let's start playing this stuff. And we made these demos in two or three weeks. People started liking them. We did this one gig at the Water Rats, and it went off. It was packed full of all our mates, um, all the EMF and Jesus Jones lot on that scene that we all know. Uh, and, uh, yeah, we got, like, 11 offers the next day. Like, you know, can we take you out for lunch? Can we fly you to Lake Tahoe? Can we give you a snowboarding holiday? And I was just fending off record deals. It was nuts. And... Um, and that, I think Jeff Meals got that, the agent has got that poster in his office still. A Moist Bush. Amazing. Yeah. So that's a, that's a great story. And then we ended up signing to London Records because they said, look, we can get you on tour with Faith No More. Like, really? Okay. So that was our first major tour was Faith No More. We went from doing the Water Rats to our mates to doing a couple of little headline things. And I think we played Phoenix Festivals, our first main show um, back in the day. We had wonder stuff for headlining. Our manager, Martin... Uh, God, God rest, rest his soul was um, was a drumming wonder stuff, and so we ended up playing Phoenix Festival. And uh, yeah, Faith and More was our first major tour, and I never forget it. And we we've learned some valuable lessons. I mean, that's ridiculous. Yeah, like, yeah. your first tour is with Faith and More. At that well, point, arguably bands. one of the biggest rock bands in the world. How was it meeting your idols? Did you get to hang out with them much? It was amazing. So we, we we've learned some big lessons from this, and um, we were we were nervous as hell. And I, I never won a laminate before at this point. You know, we've like, <laughs> you know, you didn't know how things operated. We, we did, I remember Jason saying, "We've got a record deal now. We need to go buy some spares. Like, we need fly cases, and we need you need a spare snare and a spare kick drum. And where's all that? Where does that live?" I was like, "I don't know. I've just got a drum kit." So we like, "Okay, let's quickly go and find a Brazilian." And we got endorsed. And then we, that was our first gig where we had sort of spares and no fly cases yet, just like little cardboard boxes. And then we. Our big fetish became flight cases. We ended up having more than Metallica. Um, <laughs> but we got to the first gig, and we're, we're in Glasgow, and we had a single called Bad Idea that Steve Lamack was playing over and over again. And 
driving up to Glasgow, that was on the radio. So that was the first time I'd heard ourselves on the radio. Steve Lamarck was going nuts about it and championing us. Got to the hotel and Adam Booker, our tour manager, said, uh, Billy Gould from Faith and More is going to drop in and say hi. This was the night before. I was like, what? Really? Why would he do that? And then Billy comes through uh, into the bar at the Thistle Hotel in Glasgow. He goes, hey, I'm Billy. I, I, kind of the accent. Hey, man, I'm Billy. <laughs> they're not Welsh. Oh, yeah. They're not from <laughs> Ireland. <laughs> well, looky here. Looks like we've got ourselves a bunch of readers. <laughs> I was like, wow, I thought you were from San Francisco. And um, anyway, he's like, I'm Billy. Uh, great to meet you. I just thought I'd say hi so that when you turn up tomorrow, you've got a friendly face. What? He goes, and by the way, let's go out in Glasgow and I'll show you the sights. Like, How does Billy know the sights of Glasgow? And then it's not until you tour and tour and tour you realise he's been here more times than people who live in Edinburgh. He's probably been here a hundred times. So we walk into every club and every bar. He knows a promoter, he knows a doorman, of course. And we have this wild night in Glasgow. And then the next time we turn up and we meet Patton and Puffy and the rest of the band and we've already met Billy and... It's a big lesson in how to treat a support band from when you, from your idols. And then the, the thing I remember the most about that gig was we played the gig, we were super nervous, Faith and More came on and smashed it, and we were backstage behind the drum riser, and I've never seen a drum tech before, because I didn't have one at this point, and he was changing Puffy's snare every four, sh- every four songs, because he's just battering through the snare heads. And it's something that I've, you know, we, we do a lot now, but at that point, you just, you had your gear and you set up, you played. And then after the gig, they walked off and, and Patton, Mike Patton, started yelling at the lighting guy, going, go house, go house. I was like, what does that mean? And he shouted at the lighting guy backstage because he'd not told the front of house guy to turn the house lights on. So the audience think there's going to be an encore. I was like, wow, like, people like Mike Patton take this stuff so seriously. He knows that if the house lights don't come on, people think they're going to play again. And that's a big deal to him. He's upset because he hasn't turned him on. So much so, he's shouting at him. This is nuts. And that was <laughs> our first intro into how rock and roll works, and I was blown away by it. I mean, it's quite renowned that Mike Patton's quite a strange character. And, yeah, some stories I've read are pretty odd about him. How, how was he as a, a, a you know, did, was he pretty reclusive from the band? Yeah, and pretty reclusive. They all call him Patton. The next night was not in Rock City. Uh, I mean, no one touches cash anymore because of COVID, but if I had a, a pocket full of cash, I'd explain what he's doing in soundcheck. So we walked in and we were setting up and Faith and More was soundchecking, which blew my mind. It's like, whoa, we're watching Faith and More play epic. And he, all he would do throughout it was put his mic in his pocket full of change <laughs> and just make all the jingle jangle noise through the PA until it pissed everybody off and, and they just went, pan, pan, and they just walk off. And that'd be a soundcheck over. Yeah. And then the next night in, in Brixton, he banged his head on a drum riser and split it all the way across. He had to have stitches. And I think they did Chris Evans that night, and he had stitches all the way across his head. And that was on that, on that tour as well. Wow. He's, he's a maniac. And so, in regards to kind of like tours, I mean, to, to, to start with Faith No More is ridiculous. That's not doing a UK tour with a, you know, an, another band that's maybe slightly yeah. higher profile than yourselves. That's, that's, that, that, that's a serious setup. So with that in mind, when did it start to become a situation when you thought, I'm comfortable now and <coughs> we feel like we belong here? There's no longer that imposter syndrome of watching that band and thinking, yeah. wow, you've got your own flight cases now. 
Like, did it ever feel like there was a point when it all become comfortable and you could start to kind of create your own rock and roll stories? No, I think we've always and still always have imposter syndrome. I think, I don't know if you've seen the Coldplay documentary. Um, Chris Martin says the same thing. They're still waiting to make it. And they think every tour they're about to do, there's going to be no one there. It's just amazing, that documentary. He says, in four years' time, we'll be headlining Glass- Glastonbury. And it cuts to four years' time, and headlining Glastonbury. And we played with them, because Steve Strange, our agent, is their agent. We played their, one of their first shows. We played Tea in the Park with them. And we went on in the tent, and it was busy. And then they came on afterwards, and it was four times the size outside the tent, let alone inside. And Yellow was number two, their first single. And you could tell it was going to be nuts for them. But... Uh, after, slightly after the Faith No More tour, we got a call from Steve, our agent, saying, um, it's from Belfast, so I'll give you another American accent. He went, um, do you want to... Uh, no, I can't, I can't do a bell. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Um, No, that's going to come across like Welsh... Um, no, I just. Um, he said, um, "Do you want to support the Sex Pistols tonight at Shepherd's Bush Empire?" And we were in Bath recording B sides at Bath Moles. I started a religious rock band for a joke because I was bored, and I was recording songs. We called it the Crucified, and I was recording songs called "I Can't Build My Ark in the Dark," "Roman Roads," <laughs> "Jesus Has a Sister." Um, she'd reform Mister Mister and re-release Kerry. Um, Abraham, raise your magic staff. You're having a laugh. And then there's another one, I can't remember. We were recording these as we were bored, and our A&R man from London Records came up, and we played him, and he went, this is our EP. And he went, are you kidding? This is what I've signed. I was like, no, it's only a joke. But those songs were, you know, someone could put them out today, and they'd do well in the, in the Bible Belt, especially Roman Rhodes. Um, and I, I can't put my ark in the dark. Obviously, you get a hit, you know. God, give me some sunlight so I can keep it watertight, so I can preach my gospel to the right. Um, and, um, and during recording these Crucified songs, Steve Strange called and said, do you want to support the Sex Pistols? They're doing their early indoor gig since they split up because they're playing Frinsby Park tomorrow as a warm-up. Since Shepherd's Bush Empire, you've got to be there in three hours. And we're in Bath 
all right, West London from Bath, not, we can do it. So we got in our little van, we drove to Bath, and uh, that was my next kind of rock and roll sort of moment. Um, uh, I remember our manager at the time, who we, we, we got rid of that, that, that later on, and somebody else, Tank, became our manager at that point. He was in the lift with John Lydon, and he asked for an autograph, and he just told him, why don't you wear for? To his face, that in the lift. Like, wow, he really is John Lydon. He really does do something like that. And then someone spat on the stage, he went, you can keep spitting, I've been paid already. So that was quite good. And then as we played that gig, with, I found my grandma, not with us anymore. And um, what was that? It was a sign of the cross, but we're on my own. <laughs> and um, she said to us, oh, Carl, it's fantastic you're playing with the Sex Pistols. Don't be punks. Because she had heard that punks are bad. <laughs> so, uh, we had a, so we had a single called Don't Be Punks, or a B-side called Don't Be Punks, named after my grand. It's one of the best things I've ever heard anyone say. Don't be punks. What does that even mean? All right, Grant, we weren't then. And um, so we, we, we you know, played the Sex Pistols. We had a 40-minute set, and we played it in 23 minutes because we were so nervous. And Giles, our keyboard player and younger brother, got hit by a pint of piss in four seconds in the face. It was great. It's going to put you off your game. So what was it like backstage? So for me, backstage with people like Scroobius Pip is the most boring thing ever because he doesn't want to do anything. He wants to drink water. When you're backstage with, like, the Sex Pistols and that, is it all you dreamed it would be? Did you hang out with them? Yeah, we hung out with them a little bit, and we, we got to know a couple of members of the band uh, over recent years. But with A, we, we, we were sort of famous for being the tidiest band in, the, in, 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 in Europe. Yeah. And um, so we tidy our dressing room before we left <laughs> it. We tidied the bus up every day so that Colin, our driver, wouldn't have to tidy it. And um, we'd make, make the driver a cup of tea, or Jason would make him tea in the morning. And we just, Amazing. And honestly, it's paid dividends. Like, we, we've not made any enemies in 30 years... And we can do stuff like this by just calling in favours. Yeah. And people seem to like us because we've been nice. And it's only when I joined Bloodhound Gang that all the mayhem backstage was, like, whoa, I'm a well, part of this. That was the first band I ever went to see live in London. And it, and it was crazy. And uh, I've been listening to them for about a year. And uh, it was me, Pip, Thomas Coles, and then Jimmy Pop walked past us. And... It was my first ever gig, and I was absolutely starstruck. I sort of like, Pip was absolutely fine just chatting with him, and I was just like, couldn't find the words. But that was just such a great introduction to like live music, and uh, obviously I've read a bit about the debauchery, so yeah, oh, yeah. big mean, change. Yeah, that Motley Crue book, The Dirt, is... <laughs> yeah, it's, that's a great book, but it, yeah, I, I've, yeah, it's... Um, that's, where all the, that's where the war stories are, the Bloodhound Gang. They're to, they're, they're, it's, it's a... It's, it's, it's it's it always nuts. When we, when we first toured with them, we did a European tour with them. We met them in Amsterdam. We did the Metal Veg in Amsterdam, and it was our first European tour. And so this come about. So A was on hiatus. And no, no, we, we were on tour as A supporting the Bloodhound Gang. Right. So we did a full European tour with them, and we went everywhere, like Slovakia, Lavinia, Latvia, everywhere you've ever heard of. It was amazing. First time in a proper bus, big you know double decker uh, nightliner. And uh, amazing gigs. And by the time that tour ended, it was in arenas. So it became a, the second part of it was arenas. Like, Hooray for Boobies had gone nuts. Bad Touch was enormous. So Bad Touch was just coming out as we started it, and we were in clubs. Yeah. Big clubs like the Melveg, 2,000 cap. By the time we ended, we were in 15,000 seat arenas with full production and, you know, 15 trucks or whatever. And that was our first arena tour. And, and that band became our best friends, and they looked after us. I remember Ifan, the tour manager, learned another valuable lesson. Ifan made sure that we got fed. 
before everyone. So on the very first night in the Meltberg, he's like, hey, I'm Ethan. Um, I wanted you on this tour because I saw you supporting the symposium. I thought you were great. So I've tried to get you on this tour. Oh, thanks so much, mate. Let's make sure you all get fed. So cool. Let's into catering first. Explain to everybody who we were. And it's just those things, like I was just saying earlier, that the bigger the band, the less of the ego. And you, you really learn from these people about how... Burning for Soup's tour manager, best person I've ever met, you know, will get out of his way to make you comfortable. And um, Yeah, so that was our first European tour, European tour with Bloodhound Gang. And then it turned into an arena tour. Then it turned into two years in the States, coast to coast in America, which is just amazing, you know. And, uh, and seeing some stuff you couldn't make up, like watching Jared, who at this point is doing quite well for himself, find three or four cockroaches in Arizona, putting them on a table at the length of this, sitting at the other side of the table with his mouth open, and then having someone with a cigarette lighter, lighter light their backside so they run into his mouth and betting on who's going to get into his mouth first. And, and this is just for fun backstage. And then the one that wins gets into his mouth, lays eggs, because apparently it's a panic thing, they lay eggs down your thorax. So this thing laid eggs all the way down his throat. I was like, oh, where's Jared gone? Oh, he's had to go to, um, to De Denver Infirmary or A&E or whatever it's called to have all these um, cockroach eggs scraped off the, off the inside of his neck. And then he comes back and like, yeah, it's just a little, little war wound. Yeah, I'm fine. Wow. And, then, and that's the first time I'd seen on the rider we've got like a pint of off prawns that have to sit in a windowsill in the sun to get warm. And then in the interval, in the encore, Jared comes on and he's like, where's my prawns? Where's my prawns? And he eats all the prawns. And then starts convulsing about five minutes later he's ready to be sick out for the encore sick on a fan right I want to tell you about our sponsor Moto Recall yes it's one of those lifestyle utility apps that every phone should have it's got the practical the nostalgia and the dream from 18 to 118 there is something for you it's what you make it day to day reminders of tax and MOT on your cars you've in your current garage I have for one, sometimes been driving around in my car not being MOT because I forgot. So it's a bit of a lifesaver. Absolutely. I mean, never buy a second-hand car without knowing the history. You know, Providence. Moto Recall, make sure you aren't caught out by allowing you to perform a full Providence check on the vehicle. With just the car reg, is there outstanding finance? Has it been in an accident? Is the mileage legit? You'll get the full picture, powered by experience, with a data guarantee. I wish I'd had that in the past. And, and with this app as well, you can build your historic garage with photos and data that you can not only look back on for yourself, but you can share it with your mates. You know, every car is a memory. You used to have that cat in the hat car. I'd love to have seen that. I mean, if you don't have an historic garage, like build out your dream garage. You know, what has caught your eye? What are you dreaming of owning? And the best bit is free. Up to 50 cars and provenance checks are pay-as-you-go when you need them. Experian aren't as nice as the Moto Recall team, of course. Download the app for free. Search Moto Recall in your app store. M-O-T-O-R-E-C-A-L-L. -L. Moto Recall in your app store. Uh, hello, this is uh, Chiles, um, Chaz from Love Beer. Uh, and, and I'm here to tell you about why I sponsor uh, Hardcore Listening and what, what love-beer.co.uk does. Uh, I am a fully certified by the British Beer and Pubs Association for bar installation with a focus on home and office bars. I have loads of home bar clients who have really enjoyed the service during lockdown as well as corporate office clients like Facebook and HelloFresh. 
I offer a complete solution from installing the bar equipment right the way through to keg supply. I also offer regular maintenance packages for those who want a bar without all the hassle. Hello, this is Charles also from Love Beer. I just want to also let you know I'm fully licensed to sell kegs. We can supply loads of different products from mainstream beers and ciders right through to trendy craft beers and even Prosecco kegs, all delivered to your bar by a certified technician. Also, why I'm here, have I mentioned the Land Rover Beeries 3, which is a 45-year-old XMOD Land Rover Series 3 that we have done a complete restoration on during lockdown. The 3 Beeries 3 is a custom-built, high-performance bar hidden in the back of a Land Rover. The bar we have installed is capable of doing upwards of 500 pints per hour. We're about four to five weeks off having it all back together and ready to show it off. And I'll be launching an Instagram for it this week. Nice one, Charles. Nice one. Hello, I want to take a moment to shout out one of our wicked sponsors, eggfried.com. They are a streetwear brand. They produce t-shirts, sweats, hoodies, handmade denims. It's all inspired by hip-hop, punk, choir fashion. It's really cool. Yeah, it's really cool. I mean, head over to eggfried.com and and have a look on the website because it's not just the design, it's the layout, it's the website. You know, the creative team over there are absolutely on point. There's just some, some great stuff there. And and not just for adults as well. They've got Small Fried, which is their range of kids' <laughs> clothes. And if you want your kid to just look beyond cool, like head over and check that out. And they've given us a discount code, right, Chris? Yes, Egg Salad. If you type Egg Salad into the discount coupon section, you get yourself a tidy little discount. And when they send out the stuff, it is packaged exquisitely. You get little goodies in there, stickers, and it's all wrapped up beautifully. So check out eggfried.com. Okay, lastly, we want to thank, and certainly not leastly, we want to thank. Is leastly a word? (laughs) No, it's really not. Right, we're going with it. (laughs) We're going with it. So we want to thank Luke Van Boom. Luke Van Boom has a company called Bang Boom Creative. Luke is a, a long-time sponsor of this show and a friend of this show. If you see the pictures of Chris and I on the socials advertising this podcast, them happy snaps were taken uh, by the genius that is Luke Van Boom. I mean, that's just the tip of, of, of what he does. Chris, do you want to explain a little bit more about what Bang Boom Creative does? Yes, it's all about fresh interview production. So they're all about content with a heart and soul, making films of all kinds, shooting dynamic photographs and putting smiles on faces. They're passionate storytellers working with a diverse range of brands of all sizes. You know, their work includes short film, viral video, animation, hidden camera stunts, product demos, live action, 360 imaging and music promo. And they've worked with a ton of companies as well. Universal, uh, BBC Children in Need, even the Mayor of London, Katie Piper, the NHS, the Dogs Trust. They've they've worked with a lot of companies. It consistently blows my mind, you know, the stuff that you've just said there. Why does he have anything to do with us plums? Stop talking him out of it. Right. Sick in a wow. bucket and sick wherever he wants, really. But yeah, it takes some doing that. It's all about the off prawns. Evil Jared's quite a big lad as well, isn't he? He's, he's quite, he's he's quite intimidating. Dude. And he's so intelligent. He's yeah. one of the most intelligent, clever people I've ever met. Yeah. So he's in the, in the daytime in the lobby, he's got his glasses on, he's got his MacBook out, he's doing business, working on stuff. Yeah. You know, he's got a TV career. 
In Germany, is it? Yeah, and his friends, we were like friends with a jackass lot, and so Bam Majera was a big fan of the friend of the band, he's down all the time, and Ryan Dunn, who was unfortunately killed, and Jared's the sort of person, and Jim, that bring all those together. But yeah, he's super sensible in the day, and then he just turns into Jared. He's his wife, beat her on, he's like, okay, off you go. (laughs) And he's the funniest person I've ever met, I love him dearly. And so, I mean, are we going to talk Russia? Oh yeah, it's time, time for us. I mean, now. I'm just looking, and I'm thinking we've got we've got about 20 minutes, and I'm thinking I'll keep it really short. We can we can do the short version yeah. uh, because it is. I mean, I was telling Chris some bits of it on the way down here tonight, and it's one of the most remarkable and terrifying stories uh, I've ever heard. So yeah. this it's is Argo. I don't know if you've seen that film Argo. Yeah, with uh, what's his, with the guy who just married. Um, Jennifer Lopez. What's yeah. Ben, ben Affleck. Ben Affleck. Um, has he married Jennifer Lopez or did I get that wrong? No, he hasn't. He's married somebody else like that. Somebody else famous. No, they're getting it on again, aren't they? They're back, they're back together. Yeah. Yeah. They're back together. Yeah. When I read it's Pete, like Argo. Yes, I phoned Jason up and said, well, it's Argo. And he's like, yeah. yeah. But so at this point, you're now drumming for the Blood Ain't Gang. Ten and, years in. And Dan P. Carter, was, who guitar. was in A, is playing guitar as well. Yeah, Lupus had left. Yeah. So I joined the band with Lupus. I joined the band when Billy left uh, in 2005, 8, 6, 7, 8. And we did an arena tour of G- Germany. And I was meant to be in the band just for that arena tour. And it went really well. I was like, trying to come and do festivals. So we did Rock and Ring with Metallica and headlined a bunch of festivals around Europe, which is like, amazing. And some Guns N' Roses and Tool and, you know, like big, big stuff. And then that continued for 10 years. Uh, at various levels, loads of American tours, loads of European tours. It was great. And then Lupus left, uh, and uh, I, I said, look, let's get Dan in. So Dan, Dan joined. Jim, Jim wanted Dan in as well, and Dan joined, and we did Summer Sonic in Australia, which is six shows. You fly to each one. You've got all the band and crew all on one plane that they hire. It's nuts. And uh, so the further down the bill you are, the nearer to the back you are. Uh, it was amazing. It's us and Alison Chains and Nine Inch Nails. And uh, wow. I, got, I got suspected meningitis in Sydney. And uh, so I was in hospital for four days. And then uh, they said they're going to have to give me a lumbar puncher. And I was like, well, that means I can't fly for three weeks. And then it turned out my blood's got a bit better. So they said, that we don't have to give you a lumbar puncher anymore, but you've got to stay here. And then our tour manager came in and went, uh, we've got a gig tonight in Sydney, uh, in, in the Metro, with, I think, Bowling for Soup and uh, Lesson Jake. Like, it's called a sideshow gig. It's not a stadium. It's like a sideshow gig in between. You've got to do it, or it's going to cost us a fortune. So we talked to the, uh, the nurses and said, we'll put you in an ambulance on a drip. We'll drive you to the gig. Uh, we'll take your drip off just before you play. And then we'll put you back on a drip, back in the ambulance. We'll keep it waiting, and we'll drive you back to hospital. So, okay. So we, we, I was so ill, I couldn't. I, we couldn't barely talk or walk. I had a fever, like raging fever. But we did. My wife thought we were nuts and just was crying at home, a million miles away in England, thinking this is nuts. Like you're in a hospital. But we did it. Got in an ambulance, went to do the gig, played the gig. Got got back to the hospital. The brand new dressing gown, fresh deodorant and toothpaste and stuff. Cleaned my teeth. Went back to bed. Back on a drip. It was amazing. Then woke up the next day and they'd off, sodded off to Melbourne, and I had to get a cab down to the airport. Um, and then me and Trent Reznor are on the same flight flying to Melbourne to meet everybody else. It's like, this is, this is, this is great, isn't it? Like, I was, you know. And um, so that was that tour. And then, yeah, so really high-level stuff. And then we did this, this tour um, of 
festivals and arenas. Finishing in Moscow. No, finishing in, in I think it's near Sochi in Russia. Um, so the night, it was the best tour I've ever done. Everyone got on. There wasn't as much hijinks as there normally is. Um, and uh, I should have done that. Hijinks. Oh, and... Um, and uh, and then uh, we got yeah we got to, we got to to the Ukraine and we did what like it's called like a turn the wheel gig where in between the big gigs you've got small little small gigs to keep everyone working basically we played in a town called Odessa which I think the Russians may have tried to um, claim it occupy it occupy and claim it I don't know if Odessa is part of that part but the um, the annexed part of of it and. But it's a beautiful seaside resort on the Black Sea. I was like, wicked, Black Sea. And tick off a list of places to swim, jump into Black Sea, and come out. We had a lobster and champagne on the beach. This is great. And did the gig, and the gig was like a tiny gig, like about twice the size of this, with like mafia and hookers everywhere. But it wasn't a Blood Iron Gang crowd at all. It was old and very sort of mafia. And my snare head went through in song four. So I'm helping my drum tech get my snare head off. And a monitor guy comes over to make sure the mic's back on. And while this is all happening, Jared gets people to throw stuff at him and someone throws a Russian flag on stage. So he's like, ah, cool, a Russian flag. He puts it down his pants, does that with it, <laughs> throws it into the audience and says, don't tell Putin. And of course, like, you know, Jared's forgot that in the days of social media, you don't need to tell Putin. <laughs> he's going to figure it out himself when he sees Twitter. <laughs> and, um... Yeah, so it exploded on Twitter. And then the next day, we flew into Moscow. And obviously, Jared Clay hadn't checked his itinerary. Flying to Moscow. And um, it's a bit of a weird scene after the gig in, in, in Odessa, I remember. And, but we got in the van, got to hotel, got to Russia. And as we landed into Russia, we did this shitstorm of media. And we had to go do... We went to this hotel, and we, we were playing water polo with these Russian guys in the day. And there's film crews filming us in the, in the hotel, sunbathing with all the crew at the gig, which is on the coast. It's like, why? It's weird. Film crews are in a hotel. What's a lot of attention on us? Just trying to get a tan before we go home. And then we got to the gig, and we got put into a marquee like this, and, and, and we were told to do a press conference to the media. And we thought it was a joke. So Jared's giving Jaeger shots to the... None of them are laughing. And, and the guy goes, so, yeah, can you explain about the, the flag incident? Oh. He disgraced the, the country. And I'm like, whoa, what? Flag incident. So I'm sat where you are at the end of the table, and I'm sort of <laughs> distancing myself from the rest of the band. I'm like, <laughs> and um, thinking flag incident, and um, so that was that. And I was like, and I was like oh yeah, yeah, Jared put a flag down his pants. Never mind. And then we were in, we were in catering, and then suddenly the lights got turned off in our port cabin, and um, and we noticed there was loads of soldiers, like about 200 military turned up around our port cabin. So the next time I'm in catering up with some salmon, our tour manager bangs me on the shoulder and goes, we're, we're out of here. So what do you mean we're out of here? He goes, no questions, get in the van, we're out of here. I was like, what about the van? What about the crew? He's like, let's just go. And we couldn't find Jared anywhere, so there's a four of us in the van, apart from Jared and our tour manager, back to the hotel. I phone my wife and said, I think something's happening. Uh, don't look at the news, but I think stuff's going on. And then the next day I woke up, went to breakfast, and Jared was there. He's like, what happened last night? He's like, oh, they arrested me um, for, for whatever it was. But bear in mind, he'd done whatever he'd done in a different country. It's like you did an underarm fart in France and then someone in Wales arrested you for it. Um, hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? 
Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Yeah, so as I walked, because I always drove us into this field and, uh, and they, they, they drove me round and round in this field in the middle of the night and I demanded an interpreter. So they drove me back to the police station and said they're going to re arrest us in Moscow. Thought, oh, cool. So we got in a van and went to this airport. And when we got to the airport, we all checked in. But they were f- as you drove in, there were bottles, being, bottles and stones and rocks being thrown at the van. And uh, I said, what the hell's going on? And people like burning American flags and Bloodhound Gang go home and like Sky News uh, or Russia Tonight or whatever it's called, Russia Today. And um, got into this little room sort of, you know, backstage of the airport, which is like a you know, tiny airport, like Nuki Airport. And, um, and as we were drinking coffee, I checked in and two others checked in. The door got kicked open and a bunch of Cossacks with whips, bull whips and stuff in full military dress just came in and just beat the crap out of everyone. And, uh, and I saw a little door to my right and thought, right, I've never been in a fight in my life. Uh, I'm <laughs> Europe's biggest coward. So I headed for the door and then got behind the door. There's all the Learjet pilots. That's where they hang out. I closed the door behind me and, and held the handle up and locked it, blocking the only means of escape for my friends the other side who had been pummeled by Cossacks. But I was fine. <laughs> and, and, then I, and then I hid for about two or three hours. And then we all sort of regrouped, and there's people walking around with guns out next to us, handguns out. And then we got on the phone to our embassies, uh, and I phoned the British embassy, they phoned the Americans and the Germans, the German crew guys phoned theirs, and the one Canadian threw it. We, we all put our phones on the table, called all the embassies. British embassy was closed. So it was like, obviously, if you think your life's in danger, hit one, and it hit one, and we got through to GCHQ, talked to this girl called Barbara, who knew exactly what was going on, she was dealing with Sam from the US embassy. And they said, right, the, the, the Russians are going to send a SWAT team down to protect you, and we're closing the airport. So they closed the airport, got rid of everyone, stopped all flights. Long story short, we were in this room for nine hours with a SWAT team around us. I, I was like a dog going to the vet, so I couldn't sit down. I was panicking. <laughs> Harry, the DJ in Bloodhound Gang, was just asleep, like didn't care less. Jared and Paul, our, our tour manager, plotting about like the A-team yeah, you get a couple of reds come in that door and a couple of ruskies come in that door. I'll take one guy, you red. I was like, what? You're plotting about how to? Yeah, yeah, we've seen Red Dawn back in the day, you know. Like, what? 
like reciting all these 80s videos about what happens if the if the Ruskies attack. So I don't want anything to do with this. I mean, you're seriously terrified at this point, right? Terrified. And um, it's people with automatic weapons out. And in this room, there's a, a, a big TV with Russia Today on it. And we're the only story. There's guys walking around the clipboards, in, you know, like Sky News, going to the Sky News wall, and all our faces are coming up, and they're showing bad touch videos, dressing monkey suits. And it's like, um, you know, all in Russian. And then there's a baying mob outside, and Barbara from GCHQ is calling me saying, get your... Put your credit cards in one sock and uh, iPhone charger around your belt. Get your passport with you. Leave everything else. Find somewhere to hide. Get away from the Americans. They want the Americans. You and Dan get somewhere else. That's all I care about. So it was, it was the American members that they were really fussed about. Yeah. What, Jared, was, yeah. what was Jared and Jimmy Pop? Like, they were obviously planning escape. Were they taking it seriously? Or? No, Jim was a bit. Jim was on the phone to our record label in uh, Universal, to Monty and Avery that run Universal Republic Records, <laughs> and uh, getting them out of bed. And then we're trying to get a Learjet to come and get us. And then, and then I think that got called off. And then someone said it got to White House level and they were talking about a Chinook coming in to get us. <laughs> uh, and, um, and then at the end, at the end we, they got a flight landed and uh, they must have taken some people off it and got us on it. But as you go out to the apron, or the, on the apron, we all had to lie down on the... In, in the we were crapping ourselves, we are going to get shot at as we walk out to the little minibus. And then so I was terrified that carrying down in the minibus and then we got to the stairs of the plane the guy who was driving went, we had, to, we had to pay him all our merch money and bribe, bribe him to open the door to let us out into the plane. <laughs> so you got bribe people constantly in Russia. And then, so all that went. And our, it, it, the promoter had laid on an, an interpreter. And this poor kid was stuck with us. <laughs> this Russian kid, he's, he's must have been 18. And he's an inter- he's now part of this, this, this shit fest. <laughs> So he had to come with us onto the plane to Moscow, and everybody else on the plane that landed knew what we'd done and who we were. And then when we flew to Moscow, we landed at Moscow Airport, and, t- <laughs> and I was sat next to Jared. And um, as we were flying into Moscow Airport, I was like, "Mate, are you a bit concerned about this or not?" And then my nickname's Yin. He's like, "Yin, a little bit from column A, a little bit from column B." <laughs> I was like, still a joke, Yin. Still shtick. And then we landed and we, we taxied to the end of the end of the terminal, so that's weird. Like right to the end in this massive airport. And as we got off, they called the FBI looking guys came on and they called us all off and lined us all up in the jetway. And then they called the three American guys, Jim, Jared and Harry, and said and took them off and we thought that's it, we'll never see him again. And now you think about Pussy Riot and obviously Putin's yeah. in control. And then we all got frog marched through through the airport. People shouting at us, and I remember our production manager saying, "It's it, we're free." I, was like, I don't want to be free. We'll get killed. And we got in this lift, and as the lift went up and the doors opened, we were behind bars in Moscow Airport. I was like, oh god, <laughs> I've never even had a speeding ticket, and I've got to be at a party in Leon C with my daughter tomorrow, and drive her in a Disney costume to, you know, like pick her up at school and drive her to a friend's house for a party, and now in a prison in Moscow Airport. But, but then they asked for all our passports and stuff, and then this guy, Sam, that was in charge of the US guys from the US Embassy, he was dealing with Edward Snowden, who was on the previous flight, who'd been put in the same pit to be held while the Russians wow. were trying to give him clemency, and Sam was trying to get him extradited back to America to face treason. So that was all happening as well, and this guy wasn't taking any crap. And after about an hour and a half, they told us, right, you're free. We're going we're gonna, to uh, we're gonna deport you. Where do you want to go? And me and Dan, like, anywhere in the EU. Don't care where it is, as long as it's got an EU flag. And there's a flight to Istanbul, and there's a flight to Prague. We're like, Prague. And then suddenly, became our, they, these people became our friends, like the, the police, the gendarmes. 
was suddenly like kicking doors open backstage and getting us through the airport. To we hadn't got our bags from the flight, and then me and Dan saw our bags and guitars on this thing, this carousel. So I just drop kicked all the bags off it, grabbed my North Face bag and carried it through. And we eventually got onto this flight, and that's when Jason started calling me and my wife saying, "What's going on? It's all over the news." And we got put on so, the so your brother and your missus are watching this on the news yeah, in the UK. Everyone started saying stuff's going on. People are calling me constantly. What's going on in Bloodhound Gang? There's stuff going on on Twitter and it's on the news. Sky News are picking up on it. And we flew to Prague and they sorted us out a hotel. Me and Dan barricaded ourselves in the hotel in Prague Airport. And then the next day we flew back to London and, and as we got off the plane, we opened up BBC News and it was all over that. And Dan's like, oh, good, I'm a Radio 1 DJ. <laughs> 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 this is going to be good. Yeah. It was of all the things by the way, I left Twitter at that point because I got some death threats. I don't blame you. Yeah. Of all the things you guys did, though, I mean, the flag down the pants actually felt a bit tame, but obviously in Russia, it didn't feel tame at all. Yeah, it was um, it's Putin, isn't it? Putin has got this. Down there, it's like Texas, it's like a different yeah. country. He's yeah. kind of. He sort of runs that whole. It's a strange thing. He can't quite. It's very, very strange down there. The fans and the people are fantastic. The crowds are amazing. But, yeah, there's this, this is a hierarchy that if it's, you know... That you, you can't make You fun. can't mess about. No. You cannot... Mess. I thought the World Cup would be a disaster. It turned out the Euros here were a disaster. Yeah. The Russians did, did a great job of it. But after what we've been through, I was, you know, I was like, wow, I want to go see a football match in, in, in Russia. Turns out it's, it's Wembley you don't want to go. When's the next Russian tour? Pardon? When's the next tour in Russia? We haven't toured since. That's a problem. Yeah, that's, that's the end of that. Yeah, it's wow. all the mess and fallout from that has sort of ended our touring career because it's, you know, there's places you just can't go now because you get put in a cabin over the border and you're back in Russia and face charges. Because I think the charges still, there's something to do with charges still hanging over people's heads. That's so crazy, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's a nuts place. Too. If you've never been... It's a beautiful place. The people are great. It's fantastic to go to, but it's hard to tour there if you make a mistake. Yeah. Don't fuck around with flags. No. No, 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 no. But no, we look back now, we've got this whole thread, you know, getting out of Russia thread, and there's not a day goes by without we're all on it. It's like, we're like, you know, Vietnam vets. Yeah. They've got these little war stories to tell. I mean, I've heard that story before, and every time I hear it... That's the short version. It is a short version, but it is astounding. It really is. It's like you, you hear the kind of rock and roll stories of excess, but of something so simple and a quick flippant gag, yeah. the fallout of which was, I guess, the finished the band to a degree. Well, That's yeah, finish, finish the tour inside of it, definitely. Yeah, yeah, we, yeah at the moment. I mean, I'd, yeah. love, I'd love us to tour again. I'm sure we will at some point. Yeah. We get a lot of offers. Yeah. You know, I think, you know, we could, you know, Bloodhound Gang now, it's been long enough that we could come back and kill it again. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Or do a residency in Vegas. Well, fingers crossed uh, that happens. Ed, I'm also aware that you're very much involved in this, so I don't want to keep you here for, for, for any longer than yeah, we have to. Yeah, I better go and tell my wife and, talking. Uh, and, and, and in a moment, um, the Irregular Bitches podcast is going to be on stage. Um, so... Yeah, thank you all for watching this. Massive thanks to Adam. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thank you. And uh, yeah, we've got uh, a whole day of comedy and podcasts in here. Irregular Bitches next. And then we've got the uh, Comedy Arcade, Arcade with Vic Slayton, uh, Jordan Gray, and many, many more. Right. 
We'll see you soon. Thank you. Thank you. Enjoy your day, everyone. Thank you for coming. It's, uh, it's, it really means a lot, considering what we've all been through, that we're doing this. So thank Absolutely. you all. Yeah. Absolutely. It's a drunken soiree in the within. Chris and Stu present our core listing, the podcast.